We are back, baby. We are back. That's we right. are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw. We go tit for tat. We have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. Welcome to the Moose and Moves podcast. This is episode 240 of the pod. Always a somber day when we're talking about the Super Bowl because it means it is. on the other side of this game lies the abyss. But Matt, we're going to dig into everything Super Bowl here. We're going to offer up some winning picks. We're going to do a prop pick them special. Just sort of run through the board, give our leans, and then we will offer up our second lock. Uh, again, I come into the Super Bowl with a one pick lead, a one win lead in our season long uh, pick 'em special. It always seems to come down to this, and we will both have uh, two ponies running during the Super Bowl. So there is still a chance that Matt can win outright. Uh, outright, if I go outright, two, he goes outright. Um, it's going to be uh, it's going to be a fun watch. We're going to dig into all angles of it. But Matt, first and foremost. How are you as we approach Super Bowl 56? You know, you said it there, the, the, the stark room. This is always a fun episode, but like a stark reminder of, man, like this is this is what we're looking at. Like this, the Sunday in between, I, I don't, I don't, I didn't watch the Pro Bowl. I'm not all, I'm not on Twitter complaining oh, wow. about it either. Like a lot of people, but like, I didn't watch the, the, watch the Pro Bowl. I don't really care. But like I was at work, so I had it on a monitor. The, and The golf was like fine, but like as, as awesome as Pebble is, but like it, it's, Pebble needs a better tournament. Like it, it needs to be something later with higher stakes. That it's one of these where you know early on they're playing different. It's courses just in a weird spot. Yeah, yeah. Like find a better way to highlight Pebble every year because it, it deserves a lot better than that. Well, that's, you know, uh, every every sorry, sorry go ahead. Six, I was just every fifth or sixth year we get it as a U.S. Open. Bet yeah, but like Pebble should be got. a. Like I agree with it should you. Be, it should be more than that on a yearly basis. I love that it's a U.S. Open course, and obviously it's highlighted. That I love I love that we've immediately pivoted to golf here. But the thing, yeah, that, well, hey, we're just, we're just getting our reps in for the next. Couple the thing of weeks. that gets in the exactly the thing that gets in the way of it being uh, a marquee tournament. Guys want to go there. They want to go play it. It's not necessarily in a weird spot on the calendar. It's part of the West Coast swing. Nobody wants to play with a C-suite executive for a six yeah, and a half hour yes, round. That's it, it, it's not it, a. You would have to. You would have to take away the pro am aspect of it to get the biggest names to come and play, and that's really the the bedrock of that tournament mm-hmm. is the fact that Clint Eastwood and Bill Murray used to play it. Like that's that's what it is. Can't you just and, turn that into Riviera though? Like. I, I agree with you. I have them. no problem the, the with L- that. The but... LA guys go to Riviera. Yeah. No, like I, know, I know what you mean. Obviously, in, ter- in terms of timing, it's a perfect spot because they do the West Coast swing early and, and they're mm-hmm. out there. It's a group. But, like, that should be, like, Tori's nice, too. But, like, Pebbles should be the first, like, oh, man, like, this is, uh, this is a big tournament. Like, this is – we got everybody. Like, you have a tournament at Pebble Beach every year and you don't have everybody there, partially because Saudi Arabia is throwing people just ridiculous amounts of money, too. And that's something you can't really control. But, like you, like you said, you got people at Pebble Beach who are, who are playing with, you know, CEOs and Bill Murray and who God knows who, and they don't really want to do that. It's yeah. – I gotta. I'm, what, trying, I'm trying to putt for a million dollars while Alfonso Ribeiro is doing the Carlton. Bond. Yeah, it's, it's like it's a tough. It's a tough setup. Uh, I, I couldn't agree more. Golf, it was a golf fun. Bond. It was we're a fun show having. It was a fun show having Spieth around on the back nine, and hopefully we get a yes. ton of that this season. Because thankfully I, he didn't die. Yeah, thankfully he didn't die on Saturday. Look, uh, staring into the abyss there. Um, before we pivot back to uh, before we pivot back to Super Bowl here, Matt, golf related. Um, mm-hmm. Had something for you that now I'm blanking on. That's okay. I do that all the time. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. So let's <laughs> in our pre-show uh, me- in our pre-show meeting. I think I it's gonna three or four different sentences in five minutes. Uh, oh, oh while you're thinking, probably. while you're thinking, uh-huh. I'm going to send a uh-huh. quick shout out. I want to send. Oh, a quick I got shout it. No, 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 our, no uh, shout out. Pause your okay. shout out. Pause your shout out. I got it. Um, Faldo on the broadcast okay. said when you know they were just sort of setting everything up and talking about Pebble and and all that comes along with it, the history. He called it our St. Andrews. He said this is the gem of American golf, or at least it's regarded as such. Would you agree with that? Would you agree that that Pebble Beach is our our home of golf in the United States of America? Uh, off the top of my head, yeah. I mean, I because it I is think the just mo- because like, of the, I think because you could because you could peel we off six hundred and play it exactly. Yeah, like, it, like you could I'm talk about Augusta, wing foot. You could talk or Augusta about or Pine Valley, like Augusta, all these places. But Pine like Va- yeah. Pebble Beach is the one, like not the yeah. one place, but it's consistently the top ranked golf course in the country and yeah. one of them in the world, and it's one that. You or me tomorrow or me in, you know, a couple of weeks can, you know, put down the money and go ahead and tee off on one and then play with the rest of them. So, I, yeah, I, I think you would have to I, I think I would absolutely agree with that. And it has like the historical aspect behind it, too. Um, yeah, I, I would agree with that. Do your shout out. Do your shout out. Oh, no, I just wanted to give a shout out to our, I was I was scrolling through Twitter earlier. Mm-hmm. I don't know how, how much you follow our, uh, our alma mater's basketball team, the, the place that we both got our, our original start on air. But they had a big win at Milliken last night. Nice. And I just wanted it. It's, it, it was a it kept them one game uh, ahead of Wheaton in the conference standings there with, with three games left. They got Wheaton this Saturday. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't pay a ton of attention to Illinois Wesleyan basketball. But whenever you go into Decatur and beat the beat little brother Milliken when they think they're uh, they're all high and mighty. We took them down on a buzzer beater last night. I just I think that deserves a shout out. So with the, in your face Milliken, here we go Titans. With the uh, just with the uh, gentle scent of soybean wafting mm. in your nose, you know that's mm. uh, nothing better. I took a couple uh, took a couple nervous bathroom breaks before games in that bathroom right next to the, the uh, basketball auditorium area. So uh, yeah. Uh, so gotcha, so gotcha, so gotcha again, Milliken, huh? Joe still lives upper, in that, upper, that upper Decker, circa 2012. <laughs> I think we played them at home in 2012, 2011. It might have been. Uh, but you're right. Well, Matt, I think we did bury the lead here. Super Bowl 56 coming our way this Sunday. Rams and the Bengals from L.A. So, I mean, there's so many storylines and we do it for two weeks and been regurgitating them at nauseum. But I'm going to try and give it the same uh, the same zeal here uh, that we do on air. And I find it very interesting. The one thing that really continues to jump out at me every time I'm flipping through the stat packet or talking to people on air for the second time in NFL history a team is going to be hosting the Super Bowl at their home stadium. But I find it exceedingly interesting that both of those occurrences here in back-to-back years have come with veteran quarterbacks in year one with a new franchise as well. So you have Brady in his first year hosting a Super Bowl in Tampa, Stafford in his first year hosting a Super Bowl in L.A. Uh, Obviously, Stafford's looking for the same result as Tom had a year ago, but we'll see if that's how it goes down. Uh, because this is a don't blink Bengals team. And the more I wrestle with these numbers, the more I like the points, the more I like the Bengals outright, because we've said it before and I'll say it again here. When it comes to the playoffs in the NFL, just pick the winner. T- 10 and 1, excuse me, 11 and 1 this postseason. Uh, outright winners cover the spread 11-1. and one. The only team to win and not cover this postseason was the Rams last week or two weeks ago, excuse me, in the NFC mm-hmm. title game. Mm-hmm. 
when Tampa Bay came all the way back. And if you extrapolate those numbers out over the last three years, it's something crazy like 36-3 and outright winners cover the spread. So don't overthink it. Pick the team you want to win. Um, I'm not holding you to this pick, Matt, but which way do you find yourself leaning here with a few days uh, left before Super Bowl 56? You know, I, I didn't really know which way I was leaning, like kind of right, right when the lines came up. When the lines first came open, I was like, well, four and a half's a lot, like probably Cincy, but kind of the more I – then I started doing some some prop research and was writing some prop stuff for work. And I was like, man, like all the props that I really like are all Rams props. And the, if, I, yeah. if I like these props, that indicates kind of the Rams. But like – I don't know. On paper, I'm either going to take the Bengals money line or probably the Ram. Like we were talking before the show, and it was your your point that I thought was a great one. If you like the Rams, take the Rams money line and then hedge with a little Joe Burrow Super Bowl MVP, which I mm-hmm. think is a strategy I'm probably leaning towards right now. But yep. I, I this game, as much as I want to take the Bengals, as much as I want to get on that money line, it just it reminds me a lot of last year, not just for what you were saying, the Rams being the home team and having a new veteran quarterback and all that kind of stuff. But the the, the main storyline last year was, well, yeah, Patrick Mahomes is really good, but that offensive line can't block right now. That offensive mm-hmm. line is banged up and they can't block it. The, the Bengals had a better effort in the AFC Championship game. Just Joe one Burrow showed some he, Joe. Just one sack. A couple of them were Joe Burrow pulling some magic, but still, um, just one sack. But like this Rams front, you know, defensive line, front seven. But that the, the Von Miller, Leonard Floyd, Aaron Donald, like they're really good. They are really good, and it's a better, it's a much better group than they saw with Kansas City. It's a better group than they saw with Tennessee that recorded nine sacks. Like I, I want. To, I mean, it's. it's I'm so torn because like a part of it is like, yeah, this is Joe Burrow. Like he figures out ways to win, but he's also going to be still a rookie in the Super Bowl and not necessarily a road game, but going against probably the best pass rush he's like ever seen. Yeah. And that's, I don't know. It feels like we're staring at the same situation we saw last year. And while things might change, it just to me feels like I, I don't know how the Bengals are going to overcome that that pass rush that defensive and line. I, I couldn't agree with your thought process more there because looking at Donald and Vaughn, they lead the league right now this postseason in postseason pressures. I think both has sixteen pressures this postseason, mm-hmm. which is like head and shoulders above everybody but Nick Bosa. Um, so it's going to be tough. And when you compound that with the fact that C.J. Uzama is going to be playing uh, with a knee brace on likely and coming off that MCL sprain, you're talking about likely uh, getting spelled by a backup tight end there mm-hmm. in some pass pro and a guy in Joe Mixon who on a very low percentage of snaps gets held in the backfield to chip and help. So mm-hmm. there's going to be a lot of one-on-one opportunities there, and that's never what you're looking for against this, uh, this Rams front seven. But in that same breath – I, I find it so hard on Super Bowl week to actually see any of these statistics or um, any of these trends as indicative of what will occur because it always feels like the Super Bowl goes differently and these teams look different than mm-hmm. what they did for the previous 20 weeks. Like we're talking about two of the biggest play offenses in the NFL. I believe of 30 plus yards, these are your top two teams in, in terms of plays of 30 plus yards this season. And I'm not sure that we see that type of explosivity. I'm just using that as an example of like, it's the Super Bowl, whether it's guys getting tight or the beats of the game being different and pregame being an extra 20 minutes and halftime being an extra mm-hmm. 15 and 
commercial breaks being spewed all Longer, over. Yeah. Like it just, it always feels like the game script of the Super Bowl is somehow different than what we expect because these two teams have given us such a, you know, such a effective body of work throughout the season. And like, think of it, think of it in this lens, Matt, you're looking at the most sacked quarterback of all time to appear in a Super Bowl, taking on the guy who's leading the league in interceptions. Like it it just doesn't, it already doesn't make sense. You know, like Stafford's got the most interceptions in the NFL this season. If we're counting postseason interceptions as well. And Burrow's been sacked the most. Should those two guys be the two quarterbacks going at it in the Super Bowl? No, but here we are. So Mm -hmm. I guess I just don't tie myself to too many of these, um, prognostications or too many of these um, projections to into this game. Yeah, and that's a fair way to look at it because as now again, this is the, the best front, you know, front four that the, the Bengals are going to have to have gone up against. But like even in those games that I referenced where Joe Burrow was constantly under pressure against KC again, I know he only had mm-hmm. the, uh, the one sack, but was pretty constantly under pressure and the Titans where he got sacked nine times. Yes, nine, which is mm-hmm. insane he still figured out and found ways to win. And I, I, I would argue that the Chiefs were probably a better football team or at least a more talented football, uh, talent, whatever. I would say they're probably a better football team than the Los Angeles Rams. I, they're not here, obviously, but that might have actually been the tougher test going into Arrowhead and on the road. Maybe they play a little bit pressure-free. Maybe they're like, hey, we, we got through that one. But I don't know. It's hard to count out Joe Burrow from what we've seen from him ever, but it's just it, it's it's very hard to overlook that daunting daunting task ahead of that offensive line but they've had it all year and they've had it all playoffs and they still figure out ways to to win football games i i I don't doubt that at some point in the fourth quarter joe burrow is going to have the ball in his hand and a a chance to tie or or go ahead and then whether or not they do that we'll see but I, i i fully expect it to come down to that at some point this game whether it's three or seven i'm not really sure but i'm i'm expecting a very good one because both of these teams just like you said despite their mistakes their interceptions their sacks just kind of find ways to be in football games and win them at the end. Yeah, and to your point, um, I guess what I was trying to say in my previous point is I I look at this game in a vacuum, not anything that's occurred prior to the game. But in that vacuum, those are still bad dudes on the defensive side for LA. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's oh, yeah. whether you want to whether you, whether you want to look at that on a one game basis or a season long basis. It's a problem for that um, for that offensive line up front for Cincinnati. We'll see if they can protect uh, Burrow, but Burrow has been the most um, efficient and successful quarterback when pressured this season as well. And I guess those are sort of uh, self fulfilling prophecies. There, when you're getting pressured a bunch, you're going to have a lot of numbers while pressured. So mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure that that tells us anything as well. What's a storyline that you're really sinking your teeth into in this game? I mean, Matt, we could look, we could look anywhere. The wide receivers for LA in terms of Cup and uh, and Odell and even Van Jefferson, the struggles that Cincinnati has against slot receivers and, well, Cooper Cup, he lines up in the slot about 73% yeah. of snaps. He's on the field. Like, there's a lot of different things that are going to go into this game. What's the first thing that jumps off the game sh- game sheet at you? Well, uh, one of them you mentioned there, and that's C.J. Uzama's health. Well, that's not necessarily the sexiest name in the Super Bowl. Um, he is tight ends in this modern era of the NFL often kind of make the make the offense go, and they, they add a different element to it. So with, if he's not healthy, that obviously changes up a whole bunch of things for the Bengals. But really, for me, it's Jamar Chase and, and Jalen Ramsey. 
doesn't really seem to be much of a secret that that's going to be the matchup the Rams are going to go with, that Jalen Ramsey is going to kind of be one-on-one with Chase. And Ramsey, as good as he is, has sometimes struggled in those assignments. Mike Evans had a, had a pretty nice day against the Rams in that divisional round game. And I, Jamar Chase is, if you're going to, I don't care if it's Jalen Ramsey, if you're going to go one-on-one and put, you know, put yourself on that island, burning dudes like that all year and the, the, a perfect pass to a perfect, you know, a perfect pass to a perfectly run route is going to beat perfect coverage every time. And if we mm-hmm. see a couple of those, that, that could be, I, I think that actually leaves the door open for the Bengals. The fact, now, whether or not the Rams actually go one on, you know, just have Ramsey on an island the whole game, we'll see. But that I think leaves them an opening because they're not, they're saying we're not going to take away chase. We're going to have one guy on them. I think that makes your game plan a little more interesting and you get to involve Jamar Chase a little bit more than he was against Kansas City. I'm trying to think back at the matchups because in the – he was – yeah, because Debo traveled so much. I don't think he really – it's hard to take him away because, yeah, you're bouncing him around. It's like he's yeah, in the backfield. He's in the, he's in the slot. These like, the Mike Evans matchup you could look back on, and he played him great for 55 minutes and then gets beat over the top, which could be the case mm-hmm. here again and game-changing in, in that sense. And, you know, I think Chase is – Chase has really high expectations of, him, of himself. And, you know, you win an AFC title game, you get the hats and the T-shirts. But I think he kind of walked off that field disappointed that he only had 54 yeah. yards receiving or whatever it was. He's had like 100-plus in a number of games prior to that. I think it was like three straight or something like that prior to that. So his prop, and we'll get into some of the props here in a bit, sitting in those low to mid-70s is very enticing to me because it's like it's essentially a question of which chase do you get and – the Ramsey thing is something to take into into, um, into account here, but as you said, the name recognition there and the performance. Don't get me wrong; the performances have been great, but he's it's not uh, it's not Revis Island out there. You can still complete no. passes in direction, and Joe Burrow is not the type of guy who's going to shy away from you just because of the name on the back of your jersey. Like if that's what if that's the look he's trying to get to, he's going to that look. Um, if, if Burrow sees Jamar Chase one-on-one the majority of the game, Jamar Chase can have a whole lot of targets. Yeah. Um, I, I'm very interested to see, and you'd be proud of me to say this, uh, one of the matchups I'll Aww. have my on, uh, not Cooper Cup, but just the guard-center trade-off on Aaron Donald. Like, it's going to be double-teamed all day. It's going to be handoffs. It's going to be chipping. It's going to be every everything they can throw at him to keep him from resetting the line of scrimmage is what they're going to do. And I don't know if they're going to do it successfully or not because um, for as much that we put on Aaron Donald's plate, he continues to live up to and exceed that expectation. Maybe he hasn't had the sack numbers this postseason, but he still has the pressure numbers. Yeah, while you feel his presence. I think that that's where – I think the game is won and lost in two places, that matchup and on third down because you're looking at one of the best third down offenses in L.A. and one of the best third down defenses in Cincinnati and vice versa on the other side of the ball, one of the best third down offenses in, in Cincinnati and a really good third down defense in L.A. It, it's cliche to say games are won and lost in the turnover battle and in third down, but I really think that if you put together a cut-up on Monday morning of all the third down plays, you're going to have a pretty clear picture of how the game was won and lost. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good point. Um, I, I love your your Donald um, matchup. Sorry, I had a call pop up there from spam. I get a lot of spam ah. calls lately. I'm not really sure why, uh, but no, your your Donald 
Yeah, I, I guess I must be with the spam people. Uh, the, the how the Bengals are going, not just that, you know, how, how is Aaron Donald going to do, but how are the Bengals going to game plan for him, how they're going to handle, you know, the double teams, how many different spots on the defensive line he lines up at mm-hmm. is going to be really intriguing to me. I want to see who on that that they want to pick on and all that kind of stuff. So that, that, that for me is going to be obviously a great matchup to watch, but when you have all those double teams on the inside, that means Von Miller and Leonard Floyd are going to get a whole lot of one-on-one looks with the exception of a, some chips from the running back here and there. Um, so how those tackles hold up against uh, a Von Miller who looks like he's his 2016 self and a Leonard Floyd that is finally looking like the guy that Bears fans hope he hoped he would look like in our uniform. Uh, but, but those guys have had unbelievable playoffs. So I, I said, it, I've been saying it this whole podcast so far, but just how the Bengals offensive line, blocks and holds up against what's looks like the best defensive line right now, or at least playing like the best defensive line in football in the Rams. A couple non-game related storylines that be remiss if we didn't throw out there. I just think it's crazy to think. I think it's crazy to think. Jesus Christ, Joe. Yeah. Uh, 2019. I just got thrown off by spam. (laughs) Got brain spam. Uh, 2019, we're talking about a Bengals team that won two games. Last year, we're talking about a Bengals team that won four games. And I'm not saying they're blowing the door off the thing because if they lose in this game, they finish this season, what, 11 and 8 like total? So, like, it's not like it's not like record-wise it's been the craziest, craziest turnaround, but just to be mm-hmm. in this moment on the heels of what they've gone through and how quickly it's turned around. I mean, it will be the quickest turnaround. It is, the, it is already three years from 2019 to this season, the quickest turnaround from a last-place team to a Super Bowl appearance in the history of the NFL, tied with, I believe, two others. Um, I'm not sure what those two others did in the game, but uh, it's just been it's been crazy to see what – and I, you can't give all the credit to Joe Burrow, but I think you can give a lion's share of it to him. It's crazy to see what that young man has done over that same span too because if you go back to 20 – what would it have been? 18. 2018, he's transferring from Ohio State. Less mm-hmm. than four years ago, this kid doesn't know where he's playing his college football. He goes on, does what he does at LSU, is a part of and assembles and executes with one of the greatest college football teams we've ever seen, comes out in year one, looks great or looks good enough for a half of a season, gets his yeah, gets half a year gets his knee shredded, comes back after that, and just, oh, let me take this team to the Super Bowl. It's It's been unbelievable. And for it to be capped off by a Super Bowl would be storybook stuff. And, you know, like anything in, in football, there are um, – the web is weaved across each other. Like, like Zach Taylor was on the staff when L.A. lost in the Super Bowl – Three years ago, he was on the LA staff. He was quarterback coach. Um, he was he was throwing um, he was throwing Cooper Cup passes at his workout um, when he was about to get drafted. Like all of these guys know each other far more intimately than we ever think. And for mm-hmm. them to be in this moment against each other, it's, um, it's I, I think I think you've got it dialed in. It's going to be a really good game, and I think it's going to be decided decided by a late score. I mean, both of these teams winning have that storybook ending aspect to it because like obviously the, the everyone's on Joe Burrow and it's a great story and, and they, he's they, cool they and all both, that. Like, they both overcame double digit deficits yeah. in the championship round. And I was gonna say like you look on the other side of it, Matthew Stafford is the guy who finally got a chance. Like he was always this really, really good above average NFL quarterback that nobody knew how good he could be because he was playing with 
one of the worst franchises in the NFL and then he finally gets his chance in, in Hollywood of all places and his first year here you know he's in the Super Bowl probably playing for a Hall of Fame bid honestly on Sunday night too um, so it both both quarterbacks kind of have this Hollywood aspect to it and I guess it's fitting that they're they're playing in LA yeah and um, to your point I think it's I think it's just that. I think that if he wins the Super Bowl on Sunday, he is a Hall of Famer. If he doesn't, he is not. Um, I know he's not thinking about it that way, or at least he's downplaying it, trying to say another football game, got to do what we got to do to beat the Bengals. But so if he doesn't, he's not yet. He still has. So I mean, he still has plenty of career left to write. But yeah, if he wins, so he's in. Uh, do you want to dive into some props? You want to? I think we've. Do you want to? Let's do it. Yeah jump on some other storylines let me let me throw you some information before we even start picking anything i Uh, love information because we know people love the stupid props on super bowl sunday so uh beginning with the coin toss coin toss 29 to 26 all time tails is in a three uh three winner lead right now but heads mathematically speaking Heads is Mathematically due. speaking, heads is I due, but heads, had, be my heads was way heads was way behind. Heads is hitting three of the last four uh, okay. Super Bowls, including last season. And here's the one that gets me: the coin toss winner has lost the Super Bowl seven straight years. So maybe here's what we do: maybe we let them toss that coin, all the pomp and circumstance, and then live and then bet immediately. Live bet whoever mm-hmm. lost the toss. I like that. that. Might be I mean, the that's play. A- that's what we call a trend, Joe. There's, there's no, uh, trend, there's no I, overlooking I'm, the trends. I'm pretty sure that that's a correlation rather than causation. So I think you got to go with heads. I, I know statistically, but you know, I know it's on a hot streak, but still, it's behind. Statistically yes, no, speaking, no, no. it's going to get back even. So I think behind. you got to go heads. Yeah. Is uh, any side of the coin heavier? That's because it, you know it's it's it obviously not a regular coin quarter. Design. It all depends yeah. on coin design. Do, do we have an early design of the coin? Is there? A I, I haven't seen it. Like if you're side? looking at if you're looking at a extremely embossed uh, logo yeah. on one side, that's word of the day. They're embossed. Uh, mm-hmm. If you're if one side of the coin is far more embossed than the other, then I don't know if you play that side or is that side more likely to hit on the ground and you want. I to think play that side would be more likely to hit on the ground. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now we're talking, Matt uh-huh. Rooney. Um, all right, get into some other ones here. Some other one. Shout out, Ms. B. Uh, will there be a score in the first five and a half minutes? Is another fun prop. Uh, no, has hit in five straight years. The last any score or touchdown? Any score. The last points in the first six minutes of a Super Bowl was the safety in the uh, Seattle Buffalo, or excuse me, the Seattle uh, Denver game. That was the. I remember that. That yeah. was the last. That was wild. Score. So you might go no on score in the first few minutes as they feel each other out. Uh, will there be a score in the final three and a half minutes? Yes, has hit in yes. seven straight. We get points late in games. Um, so what are the odds I, on that? Uh, did, you, did you have them in front of you or no? Oh, okay, sorry. Have have if you don't, that's okay. That's okay. I would just think I would think, have to think yes is like minus two hundred. Like that's got uh, team that favorite. scores last. Team that scores last in the Super Bowl has won eight straight Super Bowls. Fifteen of the last sixteen, the lone exception. Ravens intentionally taking a safety in twenty twelve, so you can throw that out as well. Call it fifteen of fifteen. Team that scores last wins the game. Uh, will there be overtime? Always a tough one because there's only been one overtime in history. Uh, never been a punt return in Super Bowl history, so you got some long odds there. But in terms of some of the wonky props, uh, our national anthem singer, Mickey uh, – I'm, I'm blanking on her last name now. I don't know. Uh, I saw the name, and I don't know who it is, so I kind of – Well, her nickname, and uh, for, for the listeners at home, 
zero connotation here, but Quickie Mickey is what they call her when she sings Never the uh, when she sings the national anthem. Uh, did some YouTube homework. An average natty anthem right around one twenty six, and I think our uh, I think our line is currently sitting at like one thirty eight, one thirty nine. Oh, so we so, want to pound the under. Yeah, but it, it always I, I never play the I never play it because it's all dependent on like. Is the string section out there? Because the string section slows everything down always. Is it just her? Um, but the string section has to keep up with her. Yeah, but like just the the idea of that um, more ethereal sound slows the singer down. Um, maybe she's making a concerted effort to say it's the Super Bowl. It's my moment. Let me mm-hmm. let me maybe hit you with a double brave like we had a couple years ago. Remember when it was that brave, killed me? Yeah, that killed brave. Me. Yeah. And the second brave took it over. So mm-hmm. that one is a hard one to handicap for me. You can get some inside information on these things. Gatorade color. If you got a, if you got oh, boots yeah. on the ground, you can get Gatorade color. Uh, I think. Last well, if you year, listen to, I don't, I don't know if you listen to any of Barstool stuff, but they had with Sam Hubbard on on one of the podcasts last week, uh-huh. and asked him, "Hey, hey, what's what color Gatorade you guys have in the AFC Championship?" He said, "It's been orange all year." So if the Bengals, yeah. if you like, oh, if you, you like the Bengals, parlay that with a little orange Gatorade at plus three hundred, maybe that would pay a, a Bengals money line at plus you know one seventy with a orange plus three hundred. But the parlay, that's a that's a mm-hmm. nice little same game parlay there, Joe. Like you might be able to get like odds on Odell's hair color. You might be able to get odds on. I remember uh, you could get Adam Levine's shoe color um, a couple years ago. So if you have someone in the building, make a couple calls. Is all I'm saying here. Uh, those are the wonky ones. I, I don't find myself engaging in too many of those. Maybe just to wet the beak, we uh, we play a, a coin toss. Uh, we sprinkle on the coin toss just to like. Really yeah, get the I like going. it. Almost like, almost like walking into the casino and putting a hundred on black. Like it's just yep. like you got to do it. See how the weekend's gonna go. Like type thing. Mm-hmm. I like that. Um, <laughs> you lose, get ready for get ready exactly. for a bet. Could be a tough one. Could Why am tough. I? I've seen this prop places. Why am I looking at a prop that says, "Will there be an octopus?" I'm, I'm on DraftKings, and there's just a prop that says, "Will Are there you be sure an octopus?" You're not octopus? clicked into like Red Wings. Sportsbook.draftkings.com, Super Bowl novelty props, Joe. I don't know. Why? Why? Why would there be an octopus? That's that's why I was like, this isn't the Detroit Red Wings. This is... Is it juiced heavily towards no? Yeah. Oh, it's like minus 2,500 no, but plus 1,400 (laughs) yes. Like, I don't... Somebody, if you you know why they're at... Is it because Matthew Stafford used to play in Detroit? Here's what we do. But even then, like, that's a stretch. We gotta get again. Wait, get someone in the building. Wait a minute. What do you got? Wait a minute. There, I looked. I looked up what a uh, Super Bowl octopus bet. It occurs when the same player that scores a touchdown scores the ensuing two point conversion because it's oh. eight points. That okay. Now you know what we learned something. So they're not. At, but what if? Okay. Okay. What if? They win. What if, an Red Wings, what if a Red Wings fan throws an octopus on the field after Matthew Stafford? I think that's a, a winning ticket. I think, I think you have to win because it does not say will the same person do this. It just says will there be an octopus. We oh, got to get somebody for, from like DraftKings on the horn. Thank you for getting to the bottom of that for us, Matt. Thank you. I might have lost sleep it. over it. But uh, let's uh, let's rattle through some of these player props here because that's where the money's to be made on Super Bowl Sunday. You set a game script, you take a look at how you think it's going to go, and you make your picks off of that. So with that said, let's start with the quarterbacks here. Total passing yards, uh, Stafford's number 282, Burrow's 276 and a half. 
Stafford's got the hook there as well. 282.5 and 276.5 for Burrow. The interesting one here is Stafford has either gone over 310 or under 250 uh, in the like seven games. So he's either going to be way over or way under this number. And I tend to think he's going to go way over. I think they're, yeah, I think I that like they did in the NFC title game, they're probably going to abandon the run if it's not clicking early. Uh, Cam Akers' comeback story was great, but I think we've come back down to earth with that a little bit. I think he's over the 282 and a half. Yeah, I, I, I like his over there as well. I just, I, I Cooper Cup, I think, is good for about half of that. Um, I, and I, I just I don't think, uh, the bank, like you were saying, the Bengals' inability to cover the slot, Matthew, Matthew Stafford can really tear you up there. Um, I, I don't think they're going to run the ball a ton. Uh, I like his over. I would have, I, I mean, I think he goes 300 plus, kind of like you were saying there. That 310 sounds about right. Any feel on the Borough number 276 and a half? That's a no, no play. No, he, he's, yeah, I don't, I, he, because he's either like similar to Stafford. I'm looking at his pro football reference. The AFC Championship 250, so easily under. Uh, the Tennessee game, 348, way over. Vegas game, 244, way under. Kansas City game before that, 446. Baltimore game yep. before that, five. Like, he's, he's, he's just so all over the place. And honestly, if you keep going up his box scores, I'm not going to do that. It's terrible radio. But from like week 11 and on, he's either way the hell over or way the hell under, and it's about 50-50. So that's, I'm just, he can throw for 244 and still have a good game and win him that ball game. I'm not going to touch that. Yeah, he could throw for 310 and lose. He could be on his back the whole game and throw for 180 yards. He if, you like his, for- if you like his over, take Jamar Chase's over as well because that usually, the, the games that Jamar Chase goes off are the games that usually you see Joe Burrow have those massive games. So if you like the if you like the Joe Burrow over, it's probably going to hit because Jamar Chase found some room against Jalen Ramsey and was able to get open quite a bit for some big shots. Uh, interception props here, over a half interception, so a yes or no proposition. Stafford juice 160 to yes. I think he throws a pick. He's thrown a pick in... I, I forget how many straight, but he is—he's been giving it away, and it usually comes early in the game. His fourth quarter numbers have been great this postseason, um, so look for that one in the first three quarters. Completions prop always interesting here. Uh, a lot of our sharps were on the under on Burrow, but it's twenty-four and a half. Both guys twenty-four and a half uh, on the completions prop. Any any solid lean on either guy? Uh, I would like—I I probably think the over. Um... I, as a Burrow, I think especially because I just I don't think the Bengals are going to be run the front of the football. I, I think they are going to fall behind at some point and probably have to throw the ball to come back. Not like super behind, but definitely have to throw the ball in the second half to keep up. And as much as the, the running game has kind of helped the Rams at times here down the stretch, at their core, they're just – Sean McVay loves to throw the football. They have as deep of a receiver room in football, so Stafford's going to throw a lot. I think he goes over that total too. Um I don't love betting this prop, though, simply because you can have a whole bunch of big play completions, and when you have those, it takes away the actual number of completions. But I think I would lean towards the over with both of them. All right, leaning towards the over on those two guys. Uh, Let's take a look now at some uh, numbers on some of these running backs and those – who are, I guess, allowed to carry the ball. I don't know. I don't yeah. know how we categorize this because I only say it that way because I played uh, Stafford over his rushing number at one and a half a couple weeks ago. That was a winner easy. He ended up with like 20-something rushing yards. Sitting at mm-hmm. five and a half again here, and I just – it's sort of a boneheaded handicapping, but you got a veteran quarterback 
who's been playing a decade plus in Detroit and like just the moment that he's in right now, he's going to do everything in his power to get a first down. He's going to do everything in his power to extend for the goal line. He's going to do everything in his power to try and get his team in a position to win this game in the fourth quarter. I like him over five and a half rushing yards, and I really like him over five and a half rushing yards. Yeah, I like both uh, overs on the quarterback, the quarterback over rushing yards. A lot of what for you said with Stafford, I, I think you're going to see him take a few more risks, do whatever he can to get that first down. But I, I think I like Burroughs because if he's going to be under pressure a lot, I, I I don't if he gets a if he gets sacked four or five times, no, you're not going to hit it most likely. No, 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 but, no. Let me stop you. Let me stop okay. you. Does not count against quarterback rushing yards until oh, the, then I then I until the quarterback until the quarterback deems himself a runner. So if it's designed okay. run, but a, a traditional sack does not count against the rush. Got runner. it. Okay. Thank kneel you downs do. You can you can get God on kneel downs at the end of the game. Well, yeah, because he's technically a designed runner. There, I, that is that is fair. Um, I love Burroughs then because I, I think he, I do think he's going to be under pressure a lot. Whether that not that actually lends to what happens in the game, whatever. But he's going to be under pressure a lot, and we saw him in Kansas City. He was able to escape a lot of sacks, and when he does that, he usually has some room to run and takes that room to run. So if I think he's going to be under pressure a lot, I think he has good escapability. I think he has a good feel for the pocket, and I think he's going to be forced to move, use his legs a little bit to escape that pocket. So I can definitely see him coming up with a couple big scrambles. So that, that for, for me, 12.5 is a little bit high for a quarterback. But, I mean, we saw it last week. He got that, I think, all in, in one run on a third down. So I like I Burroughs over. Um, I, 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 I love Burroughs over. I like Stafford's over. You know what's a fun sprinkle here? I'm looking at Cooper Cup over a half rushing yard at plus 250. Awesome value there on whether you can get a pass behind the line of scrimmage, like a, a negative angle pass, or a little jet sweep handoff that, you know, McVay might be trying to dip into his bag and – if if Cincinnati's trying to take away Cooper Cup, try and get the ball maybe to him in his hands in some non-traditional Debo-type ways, over the half yard there is intriguing as well with that type of value at plus 250. You, you talk about I, – I can't remember where I saw this prop, so excuse me, I don't remember the odds. Um, but you were talking about kind of coaches dipping down and into their bag of tricks and all that kind of stuff. There was a prop that as someone was talking about yesterday. that it, I, I couldn't find where it was, forgot where the odds were. But it was over – Two and a half players with a pass attempt, and I think we've oh, yes, seen yes. OB, we, we've seen OBJ throw a pass. You know, Zach Taylor comes from that Sean McVay tree, and they might want to get a little creative at some point early on in the Super Bowl. If a quarterback is you know knocked out, knocked into into the blue injury tent for for a couple plays, and you know somebody has to come in, there are it, it was definitely plus money. Like I think it was around like plus two hundred something like that, and that was a very intriguing option for me because I do think whether or not it's a uh, position player pass uh, I think we're going to see Sean McVay get a little creative and cute I think Zach Taylor will probably try and get a little creative and cute at times because he does kind of come from that Sean McVay tree way of thinking all that kind of stuff so that was uh, one of those wonky props similar to that one that I thought was was intriguing that I kind of liked uh, I did have a number on that if you give me two seconds I know that this season Cincinnati has attempted one non-quarterback pass and that uh, L.A. has attempted three with Cooper Cup, Odell, and I think Higby threw the other one. But the precedent in Super Bowls is that I don't think there's been a non-quarterback pass attempted since Edelman a, 
a few years back. Um, okay. But that is that is an interesting one. That is an interesting one. Uh, keeping things rolling here, rushing attempts. Does that does that uh, pique your interest at all, Matt? Not even a little much? bit because the, <laughs> it's just I just with rushing attempts is with today's offenses like they're also yeah. like rushing like, the passing game has become such an extension of the running game that. You don't know if, everyone if, under if, yeah. You don't you don't know if the game plan is going to be thirty two inside or thirty two thirty four outside, or we're going to try and hit you on a swing pass instead of the outside zone just to get the ball out. I so think you don't really know. And a half, I think sixteen and a half under lean on Cam Akers is where I'd go with my money. If I was I like that, if I had to take one, I think I would go with that as well. Uh, total rushing and receiving yards. Here's a, here's a fun one when you kind of just say, hey, total offense. Who's going to pop? Mixon ninety two and a half under would be my lean there. Uh, acres 82 and a half. I'd, I'd lean towards an under as well. These are just, te- these are just teams that have so much firepower on the outside that if they start opening things up, it might be a, it might be a quiet day for running backs, but that's, again, you could think that that's the game script and it can go the exact opposite way and you lose all your bets. So I, mm-hmm. I, uh, I, I'm not, I'm not putting too many, uh, too many chips behind a total rushing receiving yards under, but mixing under the ninety-two and a half would be my lean. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I said it last week. I'm, I'm, I'm on Mixon's under rushing yards total. I, I, yep. If he comes close to that sixty-five, I think I probably do like the under or the over because they get they like to get him involved in the passing game, and especially if you have a, a tight end that's going to be banged up, the running back is kind of a, another little wrinkle you can have in there to take people off your receiver make make your defense think about but i just i don't like him to gain a whole lot of yards on the ground and that one's just it's it's there's too much going on for me there's too many uncertainties so that's one i I usually like to stay away from as well all right let's get into some uh receiving numbers then because here's where it gets interesting with all these names cooper cup odell van jefferson uh higgins chase um boyd like there's there's a lot to get to here which Makes it even more difficult because when these guys have these types of options, they can go any direction with it. Cooper Cup, 106 and a half. Uh, Matt, spoiler alert here. Give us your lock of the week. Lock number two for Super Bowl That's, 56. That is my lock. Um, if you said, Do you have it at 106 and a half? I had it at 105 and a half earlier, but it might I'll give it to you at 105 and a half. I'm okay. looking at Caesar Sportsbook right now. Uh, okay. partner of CBS Sports HQ at minus 120. 106 I do like Caesars. I do have a I, – I, you know, I was I – was, I when I – not to get off t- subject here, I was when I was visiting our good friend of the podcast, Taylor D in Nashville the other weekend. I was betting on Caesars. Uh-huh. Had a very lovely weekend with conference championship weekend. Signed up in Tennessee because Illinois has those stupid rules that you got to go in person. Came yeah. back to Illinois after I had signed up in Tennessee, and they were like, "Hey, you still need to register in person." And I'm like, "Why? I already registered there. I'd never had that happen before. Not Caesars' fault. It's Illinois' fault. Um, but that's neither here nor there. Just annoyed me a little bit." That said, <laughs> I, my, my lock of the week: uh, Cooper Cup's over 105 and a half receiving yards. Um, he goes. If there's a Cooper Cup over, I'm going to take it. I'm probably going to take some alt overs. Um, he since week 11, I believe it was. I don't know why he, that that seems to be such a. Uh, uh, an important week for these numbers, but he's it's going the over like, of the season. week yeah, 11 he, on. That's kind he's, of uh, I pulled, uh, last week, 142 week before that 183 Cardinals game. He only had 61, but that was a game that they didn't need to throw and didn't throw and pretty much just said, we're going to run the ball because that's all we need to do. The San Francisco game before that 118 Baltimore was the last time he didn't go over, which he still had 95 in a close game, Minnesota over Seattle over Arizona over Jacksonville over. Like, it's, He's going over 100 yards every game more times than not. Um, 
His reception total, I'm probably going to like too. I think that's like eight and a half or nine right now. He's just the best player in the NFL, I think, in my opinion, at this moment. No matter what teams try and do, they can't cover him. The Bengals struggle against the slot. He likes to line up in the slot. Give me Cooper Cups over in every which way, but I'm going to go with his his yards over is my uh, yeah. Is my it's, it, it, there's a ton. There's a ton. I can to live with losing on. that one. There's yeah. There's a ton to chew on there at 106 and a half. You're not going to get there in the first quarter. Maybe you are who knows. Um, but it's a. It's a number that I don't know that they can make high enough. They can juice the hell out of it. Minus 120 is not, you know, it's not unplayable, obviously. But I, I think you got to be closer to minus 140, minus 150 if you're not mm-hmm. talking 110 or over. And talking with Kenny White throughout the last two weeks, one of our sharps, he said that he expected this number to be closer to 110, 111, and it might get up there 109 by kick. Mm-hmm. So buy it now um, because, like you said, you looked at it this morning earlier at 105 and a half. I'm looking at 106 and a half right and a half. now. So it's climbing. So when you hear this, if you like cup over, play it. Uh, not that this is indicative of what's going to happen. Uh, past results do not indicate future uh, results, Matt. But Cooper Cup's career high in receiving yards, 220-something, 2019 against who? The Cincinnati Bengals. Completely different team, but... Maybe he likes to look at that uniform across from him. Uh, his career high did come against the Bengals as well. I like that over. Um, I like your pick. Um, let's take a look at some other receiving yards props here. Cam Akers not interested in. I like Van Jefferson. I like Van Jefferson, 31 and a half yards. Uh, you're likely going to have to sweat that one late, especially if if Stafford's going heavy cup, heavy Beckham. Uh, mm-hmm. Everybody likes Beckham under for some reason. Everybody I've talked to likes Beckham under his 64 and a half. So if Beckham's going to go under his 64 and a half, I feel like Van's going to get that linebacker matchup that Stafford's got to exploit a few times, maybe over there, the 31 and a half. Yeah. Uh, I think I like that too, because if, if you like Beckham's under, then you're probably what, going yeah, to. Yeah, what's your, what's your read on Odell? I he went, went for 100-plus. He's doing everything he needs to. Uh, he's played his role and beyond. He's essentially their deep threat, so he might get you in one. Like, he, he might beat you in one catch. Uh, I'm not saying that he's going to catch a 75-yard yeah, so touchdown, but I, he has that I ability. Put to, I put together uh, – it was a, like a same-game parlay. If you do that on, on DraftKings or a lot of these sites, I, DraftKings is one I used. Um, like, their same-game parlay numbers, they, they let you bring it back, to, and then obviously your odds are lowered quite a bit. I think I had his over. Like I got it at like 47 and a half in that parlay, which I kind of uh-huh. like it if it's under 50, but that's 60. I don't know if he's just going to have the volume of receptions. Cause like you said, he's kind of their big play guy. And if the Bengals are going to be giving you the slot, Matt Stafford's a veteran quarterback playing in a big game. He's going to take what the defense is giving him. I don't really see him try and force a lot of things. I don't think he's going to try and force Odell the ball. I think if I wanted an Odell prop, I'm looking at any time touchdown score prop because he has been really good inside the red zone, inside that goal-to-go marker. Love that. So if I'm betting an Odell prop, I'm, I think I'm betting him to score. I think it's like plus 145 for him anytime TD. Somewhere around there, you can correct me if I'm wrong. But that's where I'm, that's where I'm at with Odell. Uh, much more palatable than the minus 180 number attached to Cooper Cup's names right now on any time touchdown score. So, uh, <laughs> There's no value. Vegas expects him to get in every quarter. Um, we got to talk receiving numbers on the Cincy side, uh, beginning with Jamar Chase. Again, 79.5, starting to creep upwards. I think I saw it 76.5 earlier in the week, but um, sort of an outlier. He had 100-plus yard receiving in each of the first two playoff games. 
and then I think 110 plus yards in each of the two first playoff games, and then uh, 54, 64. I forget what it was here in the AFC title game. Do you think he's ready for or due for or going to have that bounce back? Uh, performance because like we said the Ramsey matchup uh, sort of throws a wrench into the handicapping here at 79 and a half yeah it's 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 hard because like you said we don't know I, I think it's going to be one-on-one with Ramsey and, and that's what we're kind of being told to expect but when things kick off there's smoke screens and all that stuff and who knows if that's actually what they're going to do but if that's the case I, I do like Jamar Chase is over he's been a big time player and in, in all these He's been a big-time player all year, and when he gets these one-on-one matchups, he rarely uses them. Jalen Ramsey's a very good cornerback, but he's been a little bit susceptible, like we saw at times, to the default of these big-time receivers. I just, I think that's going to be, Joe Burrow's going to see one-on-one on on the outside, and he's not going to be shy about throwing Jamar Chase the ball. Jamar Chase is one of, if not the best, big play receivers in football. So I, I think one or two deep throws down the field probably gets you there. So I'm going to take Jamar Chase's over, I think. It's put, a higher total than I'd like, but I still think I like it. Do you put any weight behind what that pair did in the national championship game? Uh, sure. Burrow threw for a zillion yards. I think it was sure. 225, something like that, Chase had. Big game. I know, it's, I know it's college, but, like, you look at the team he went up to, we went up against and, like, we – it's he not even that do, for me. For me, it's for, go ahead. For me, it's me and my quarterback on the biggest stage my sport has to offer. I think there's a parallel to be found there a little bit. Oh no, I I, I was going to get to that as well, but that's that's one thing I was thinking. But another thing, I was, like, it's not like he went out, like they did that against some Cinderella team that wasn't very good that got themselves in the national championship game. Like they did that on the biggest stage against a team with, you know, pretty much a pro D de- or, you know, four or five pro defensive players on it. So yeah. they, they've been in big spots, gone up against really good players, equal type players and absolutely exposed them. So I, I do put a whole lot of weight in that because yeah, it's, you're right. The, the Super Bowl is bigger than the national championship, but the national championship, especially when you're playing for LSU in the Superdome is a pretty damn big spot. And they went out and had yeah, the best game of their lives. That, Second best same, game of their lives. The Oklahoma yes. game is a little better, but but they, point, they've done it. Yeah, it's that getting getting up for the moment and getting the ball to my guy. That quarterback receiver I, chemistry I is a really behind. big thing, and they, they yeah. have it. Um, Chase is number seventy nine and a half. It's a no play for me. T hitting T Higgins sixty nine and a half. Tyler Boyd forty one and a half. Any uh, big leans there? I like Tyler Boyd to get in the end zone. Um, okay. I just I. I I have a feeling once you get down into the red zone that he's often the forgotten about guy, even though he's been really good for them for quite some time. Like when you get into the red zone and, you know, first and goal, all that kind of stuff. I don't think the Rams are going to want Jamar Chase to beat them. T Higgins is another guy who probably kind of is that bigger target who plays opposite compliments Jamar Chase a lot as well. But inside the red zone, inside goal to go, you see a lot of more slot guys score and Boyd lines up for them there a lot. So I, I think I would like Boyd as an anytime touchdown score. I think he had some pretty good plus odds on that. Yeah, like receiving yards when you're not a big play threat like Jamar Chase. So it's just, it's really hard. It's really hard to gauge and see what, you know, how many right yards after the catch are you going to get? How many receptions are you going to have? So I think those are kind of both no plays for me. I, I think one of them has a pretty big game outside uh, opposite Chase. I'm just not really sure which one yet. All right. Uh, Matt, with that said, I'm going to lead into my uh, second lock of the Super Bowl here, and I'm going with the leg. I'm taking your pick 
from the NFC title game that didn't come through with Big Shot Bob, and I'm applying it to Evan McPherson, who is 12 of 12 this postseason, second most field goals made in a single postseason behind only Venetarian 06, four of four in all three games. I am playing him over his one and a half made field goals. Uh, it's juiced to minus 130, so you got to pay a short price there, but I think it's still within the realm of. Uh, uh, I would of say for locks going forward, I think minus 130, minus 135 is probably where we. Uh, it's where it's we definitely it in the realm, but it's probably. I would say it's probably the cutoff point, right? All right. Well, 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 then we're we're playing. Or maybe it right inside minus the line. one but Yeah, you're you're there. You're the, definitely there. I, that's that's not a veto by any means, but I think that's probably yeah. close to the the threshold. Would be my guess. Um, I really like this play, not just because of what McPherson has done throughout the season, but because of who the Bengals are. They have the highest field goal rate by a team entering the Super Bowl since the year two thousand. They have of their postseason drives. 37.5% of their postseason drives end in a field goal. They have 12 field goal drives, 10 punts, 5 touchdowns, 2 turnovers. They're a field goal kicking team. Give me the guy to make two of them. Big field goal energy. I love it. Big field goal energy. All right, so let's let's recap what we got then. I, my, my two locks for the Super Bowl, Joe Mixon under 65.5 rush yards, Cooper Cup over. 105 and a half receiving yards. I want to remind the people of, of your two, uh, or I guess McPherson over one and a half. And what was your second one? Uh, first half under 23 and there a half. Go. Okay. Uh, going there you go. Okay. There you go. Lower game script out of the gate. Hopefully uh, go with the Moose and Runes prop parlay with those guys. Take it. Ooh, do just it. throw It'll them all hit. on one. And again, It'll I hit. sit at, I sit at 12 and nine uh, guaranteed a winning season. Matt sits at 11 and 10 on the year with his plus minus hanging in the balance. Um, and that is, that is the prop pick them special here on the Moose and Runes podcast, Matt. I'm so excited yet. I just can't get out of my head that, you know, it's almost over. You're uh, you're what's her name from Saved by the Bell in the gift. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I'm so scared. I'm so scared. Um, well, if, we have, if anything, we showed at the beginning of this podcast, we're just fine when we have to do, when we just have golf to talk about it. So let's we'll, we'll be OK. We'll I, I, be OK. We, do we are every golf season. Pod. We do this every season. And I'm not um, I'm not I'm not uh trying to fade us at all here but they never fade us and, and you're gonna you're gonna hate i'm, I'm just giving a, a long-winded lead in here because you're gonna hate what i'm about to say oh it's been a long season i'm it's not that i don't want football at all times oh no it definitely weekend, has but damn it if i if i couldn't use a sunday to take a breather um this yeah. past sunday was this past sunday was a welcome respite from the usual uh 13 hour days that Sundays have been. So, uh, mm-hmm. not that I, not that I want a woe is me. I get to watch sports for a living, um, moment here, but, uh, ready for the off you season. Know, ready for the you off know, for, for, for us as well. Football, you know, football season, obviously the busy time and in, in any sports media company, whatever. And this week, especially, you know, it's, it's definitely been ramping up and I, I caught myself saying it a couple times, like, man, I'm just, I'm kind of looking forward to the end of this week because it's, it's busy. And, you know, I, I am looking forward to it. Not that I'm, you know, taking time off from work, but just things to slow down a little bit. And so that's fair. At the, at the end of this, it is a little bit like, but maybe just like a month and then give football season back. Most importantly, Matt, you know, when that clock strikes zero and they hand out that Lombardi trophy, Bears records back. go back, records go back to zero at zero, my friend. Everybody's zero and zero, and there is no hope like a 500 record heading into the summer for some Chicago Bear football. Can't wait. Is that 
is that hope? No. That's false hope. It's hope. That, that's, no, that's, that's hope. False. That's hope. Are we hopeless? That's hope. Um, no, we have a lot of hope. Uh, we got plenty of hope coming up on these picks. I think we're going to have a nice. Uh, I think we have a nice closeout to what has been a profitable season here on the Moose and Ruins podcast. Uh, Matt, before we say goodbye to the people, you want to talk a little NBA? Have we have we scratched your Super Bowl itch? Is there anything else you want to get to? I do have one more Super Bowl-related topic. We are going to do okay. the mailbag. I think I teased this one last week, but we have a, a mailbag question from very good friend of the pod, two-time guest of the pod, Rob Gallick. Um, we've got a food question. We are a food pod, um, as much of a football pod and a golf pod. We do like talking about cooking. Mm-hmm. Um, he says, I'm a huge fan of game day hosting and cooking, but I find myself caught between watching the first half and trying to finish cooking, uh, cooking a halftime entree, all that. I like, uh, like letting the snacks go early, and especially on championship weekends, you're sitting around for almost two meals. Any advice for choosing the menu, prep, cook time, so you don't catch yourself watching the first half, second half, in and out of the kitchen, living room, in front of the TV? Yeah, it's got to be – it's got to be – Things that can be just popped in the oven. You keep the oven preheated at whatever temp you need it. You throw the baked mac and cheese in there. You throw the wings and the tin foil in there to get them up to temperature. You throw. There's no sautéing, chopping. That all needs to be done Saturday. That all needs to be done. Anything that requires prep work, Saturday night prep work or Sunday early morning prep Mm -hmm. work. And then all you're doing is – Throwing together the ingredients and going. You make yourself a nice big pot of chili and you just leave that on a low simmer. Mm-hmm. And, Get a crock pot. Folks, folks come over. Yeah, I'm very anti-crock pot. But for the, for the purposes of a nice dip on Super Bowl Sunday, it needs to be low uh, – you, know, you need to be able to set it and forget it on food. Sunday. Very much so. Very much I, so. I, I, you can you can do all your prep work, but like anything that you got to worry about popping in the air fryer at four hundred for fit for fifteen minutes or whatever. Like, no, it's it's got it's got to be know your oven space if you have one, if you have two. Know what go what needs to cook at what for what time, how much like what needs to actually cook, what needs to just be reheated, and just kind of have yourself a nice little piece of paper written out what you need to do, and. Pop things in the oven at a commercial break, set it and forget it for 15 minutes, take it out when it's done heating up and, and go. There's not going to be a whole lot of freshly cooked things. It'll be a whole lot of prepped on Saturday, warmed up or, you know, crisped up, cooked fully through on Sunday. But that's OK. I don't think anybody's expecting, you know, a, a five star meal on the uh, Super Bowl. I think you, you're getting your your wings, your pizza, your mini hot dogs, all that kind of I stuff. I think that's really good intel, too. you got to have the playbook next year. you got yeah. to have, have your minutes, you know, mm-hmm. when, when what needs to happen. Needs exactly. To be, uh, you can't just have it up top because when you got it up top, things go awry. Um, I always forget get, things. Yeah, you, you forget things. You don't get the output. You don't get the proper uh, timing of everything. So, you know, play that play that game in your brain before you get out there on the field is what I would say to our friend Rob Gale. Yeah, go through the game planning. We're not, yeah. you know, they're prepping for the Super Bowl. You got to prep for the Super Bowl too. Just like you used to script those first 10. We got to mm-hmm. we got to script we got to script the first 10 here on Super Bowl Sunday. I like that. Oh. We are locked uh, in. Well, we hope you guys locked in. We hope you guys enjoy the Super Bowl. Super Bowl Fifty Six coming your way on Sunday. Got to plug it. Pre-game, post-game. CBS Sports HQ. Join us. Oh, also, if you're not into Super Bowl halftime shows, we will be giving out halftime picks on CBS I am Sports not, HQ. So I'll probably check out yours. So, so again, it's either Snoop Dogg, Dr. Dre, Mary J. Blige, Kendrick Lamar, or Joe Musso, Kenny White, and Todd Furman. So those are those are your options. Those are your real options. So yeah, I think you, you choose wisely. You that's know? a good. Yeah, I think I'd rather watch Joe Musso and Todd Furman. Got it. Okay, so we're gonna have at least one viewer. Yeah. 
looking forward to that. I, you know, I'm not, I, I, I don't, I'm not a huge, uh, I, I don't need a halftime show. I don't need it. <laughs> I'm much, I'm much more interested in what I need to live. He doesn't, for the he, doesn't need, he doesn't need the pomp and circumstance. Uh, no. Matt, it is, as we record this, uh, we are three hours and eight minutes shy of the NBA trade deadline. So anything we say right now will almost immediately be yep. dated. But as this, um, as this podcast usually goes, whatever we predict will happen. The opposite will happen about 10 minutes after I post it. So here, I'm just going to let you dub in. I'm just going to let you dub in the name. James Harden plays for the Chicago you Bulls. Can, you can put in. Yeah, you can put in whatever. Can, no, um, can I, I ask don't you know if we, why? I don't know, why, if, we Harden, we, like, I don't know if we have to do like a like, – cover some of the hot topics like you you obviously follow cover the nba a lot closer mm-hmm. closer than i do what and when went wrong with james harden in brooklyn because last year it seemed like it was working so well even early this year like while they were still waiting to get healthy like he was playing pretty good basketball like the bulls game when they came into the united center and beat him by by 30 it seemed like all systems were a go and then yeah what in the hell a- is going on there it's a good question, Matt, because he seemed so willing to be whatever the team needed him to be last year, and that's why they were successful, whether it was KD waiting to come back or Kyrie unavailable because he didn't feel comfortable playing during a pandemic or whatever the case mm-hmm. was. James Harden was the constant last year, yeah. and now I don't know if that weight has become too much for him to bear alone with. Uh, I, I think, you know— you don't want to point the finger at anybody in particular. You can't control the Durant situation with his knee injury. You can control the Kyrie situation. To a certain extent, mm-hmm. Kyrie could get vaccinated and play at home. I think he's very frustrated with his teammate, leaving him out to dry as we're now on a nine-game losing streak. Yeah, I, I don't think he's very happy about that. And frankly, I wouldn't be very happy about that as well. Yes, you have your personal views, but you've been asked to – You've been asked to do something for the team that you're refusing to do. Now, local legislation could change here in the not-too-distant future. There's a bunch of rumblings about mandates being lifted in New York to the extent where Kyrie would be able to play at home as an unvaccinated player. But the simple fact that we're sitting here talking about it is a guy for half of the schedule telling his teammates – Sorry. Good luck. And yeah. I, I would point to that as one of the main reasons that James Harden is unhappy in his current situation. He can't shoulder this whole load with the supporting cast that they have there. It's not that great of a supporting cast. So no, and if I you got a guy like Joe Harris who's not having that great of a year either, like that even diminishes. And it's really just kind of James Harden. I think he's fed up, and I think that when James Harden gets fed up, his – his default setting is to say, get me out of here. We've okay. seen it before. We'll likely see it again. But that also makes it very difficult to move that asset because mm-hmm. what if James Harden doesn't enjoy being a Philadelphia 76er uh, 18 months from now? Does he say it's time for me to leave here now? Like this is this is the era of NBA basketball that we've come into where players are unhappy. Players go to management. Players get moved. Uh, it is the player empowerment era. And I think that um, certain individuals are a little bit drunk on that power. James Harden thinks he can go where he wants when he wants. Again, we're dating ourselves here. Not yeah. sure that that happens before the deadline because of what at I mean, least really the reports seems like are. Really Brooklyn is the only logical from, well, it, it, Sacramento was in that conversation up until a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple people, a couple other people made calls, but the only leading into the deadline suitor that we're hearing about is the Sixers, and I think that Brooklyn wants Tyrese Maxey, Ben Simmons, and another piece, a pick for Harden. Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know if it gets I, done. If I'm, you guys know more than we know right now, how about that? If I'm, yeah, like like I said. 
you know, like you just said, it, anything's going to change and it probably will change in a couple hours. But I feel like if I'm Brooklyn, like I probably hold on to Harden through this year and just hope that that vaccine mandate thing gets changed. So you get Kyrie back. And then maybe once Kyrie's back, Kyrie is back playing every game. Harden gets less and less annoyed with him as time goes on. And then you get your best hope at a championship is probably that, well, it might not be likely, but that you have those big three all healthy at the same time going into the playoffs. And if you have that, whether you're the eight seed or the two seed or the four, whatever, you still have as good of a chance as anybody in that East to go win it, probably the best chance of anybody. So I think for the rest of this year, you ride it out, hold on to James Harden. And if it doesn't work out, then you try and shop him around to the offseason where it's probably going to be a little bit easier to trade him. You know, history tells us that um, that's not going to be the case in terms of them all probably not very well coming very into Voltron probably. and uh, and being ready to rock. But selling low on James Harden now because you have to get rid of him doesn't do you any favors. I don't. I think agree. Either. I think I agree. waiting till the um, off season, the draft, finding you know, creating a bidding war, finding all these suitors probably does. There is. There has never been a team in NBA history to have an eight or more game losing streak in the regular season and go on to play in the NBA Finals. The Nets are currently, I believe, on a nine-game losing streak. So um, I, now those teams that have had those losing streaks likely didn't have Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Kyrie Irving on the That's same also roster. True. But um, it is something to take into account. How about like Kobe White and um, I don't know who else has money that we could send to them <laughs> for James Harden. Do Send him the balls. It's do fine. We want, but do, do we want James Harden? Yeah, I think so. I, mean, I think so too. But yeah, I, I, I think so. I just his. It, it, should we talk about? Should we talk about our beloved Chicago Bulls? His, now? his seems a nice. When transition. things go wrong, run for the hills approach worries. Yeah, but I, I just think for the rest of this year, I don't like. I don't see what could go that wrong that would make him run for the hills. I think the the Bulls yeah. are probably at their point in the season right now. I guess we're, this could transition to Bulls talk. Um, I, I think the Bulls are probably at their lowest point right now with, with where with where they are injury wise and I guess and for, no, probably level, not. when they had really? when they had Levine out that was probably but yeah like they're not playing great basketball but they are kind of holding their level they're struggling against the really good teams but they haven't really been fully healthy and you're probably never going to be fully healthy so that's going to be their problem in the playoffs but like they're probably at their lowest point and they're still you know right there competing for the top spot in the east I don't think they're going to be a team that's going to win an NBA championship this year because they need to be 110% healthy for a seven-game series against a really good team and then still need some breaks to go their way. But, like, I don't know. With where they're at, like, Bulls fans are – I think they got their expectations super high early, and now they're like, oh, like, panic. But, like, this is kind of a bonus year. Like, we we were saying at the beginning of the year, we hope for a three or a four seed. That'd be awesome. And now they're first in the East. Like, if they're not playing well against the top teams, I can, I can live with that for now. I didn't expect them to be an Eastern Conference champion this year. Yeah, and for I think what's been most encouraging to me is with how jam packed the Eastern Conference is this year. Like we're talking about the eight seed and the one seed being separated by five games right now. You're yeah. talking about the five seed and the one seed being separated by two and a half games right now. You're talking about the four seed and the one seed being separated by a game right now. So mm-hmm. for the Bulls to have not let go of the rope over this stretch, I think is very encouraging. You see the way they play back to back games uh, Philadelphia they don't match up well with which worries me heading into the playoffs but then you get a Suns team you're down three of your top guards and you play them into a one possession game like it is the ultimate Billy Donovan get the most out of my guys show yep. once again it's just you got more guys now and even injured your roster is more impressive than it was at full strength last year so yeah you're gonna have 
uh, you're going to have a better output and they've been able to really weather these storms that they've as they've come one by one which seemed like almost tiered on top of one another so if they can get back to full strength i'm, I'm seeing headlines about um pat williams coming back yep. like uh, you're, you're seeing a lot of things trending towards them making real noise in the playoffs which is which is an exciting thing I agree with you. Are they an NBA champion? I don't think so. Are they an Eastern Conference representative? Probably not. I, but probably not. Maybe would not be would not be floored surprised. I think that they can beat everybody in the East in a seven game series outside of the Sixers and maybe the Bucks. The Bucks mm -hmm. still worry me. I think the Bucks. I think it's going to be a Bucks Sixers Eastern Conference Finals if it stacks up that way. And if you're asking and you're not, but I'm telling my finals preview, I think you're going to get a Sixers-Warriors final this year. I think we both had the Warriors. Did we both have Warriors-Nets uh, at the beginning of the year? I believe so. I think that was the case. The Nets probably can't. But the, the, the Warriors are playing extremely good basketball at West. Um, but, yeah, the, I don't think the Bulls are going to be able to make too much noise because their one trade chip probably is Kobe White. But at this point, you kind of need Kobe White with Caruso being hurt. Like you, you need that guard off the bench. You need that scorer off the bench. That they, If you trade him, you don't really have that. Um, I know they kind of lack a big man. Thad Young is probably going to – I think either is probably or is in the process of getting bought out. He's not your prototypical center, but he's a guy who played really well for Billy Donovan last year, and you know he is a smaller big man but can play that big man role. That's probably a guy who uh, – he was – playing starter and feature minutes last year that everybody kind of said like, Hey, if he's your guy off the bench, you're in a pretty good spot. You're in a position to make yourself a guy off the bench, make him your guy off the bench. And now the bulls are actually a team in a position where they're a destination for a lot of these buyout targets. So that's a guy that if you don't want to trade a Kobe white, if you, I mean, you don't have a lot of the assets to move at the deadline, go get yourself a Thad young and kind of improve your bench and improve your, your lower, uh, your, your inside game there with him. Yeah. Uh, Matt, what else do you have for the people here? Uh, I don't know. What do you have? That's that's really, that's that's great podcasting. Then. Yeah. Hey, you want to keep talking? Eh. I don't know. I'm trying to think. Um, we talked we talked hoops. Um, bulls are bulls are good. Is there anything college basketball I should be knowing about? You're CBS. You guys are you guys yeah. into college um, basketball. Number I watched, one, number watched one Purdue lost. Illinois uh, the other day. One, that was Auburn a fun lost game. earlier this week. Saw that. Purdue. Purdue's probably the best team in the country, maybe Gonzaga. I think those are it's, the two best teams. So, I think it's uh, Purdue, Gonzaga, every a big gap, everybody else. So uh, you don't have Auburn with that group? No. Okay. Auburn is a good team, but they're I think they're an elite eight bound squad and uh, I'm not sure I see much anything much further. Um, what's uh, what's going on with Arkansas this year because that was a team who had some preseason hype. I know they've been they've been You just broke the up there a little point. bit. What's going on with who? What's been going on with Arkansas? I know they just came away with the big win obviously at home against Auburn. They, yeah, they've they, won a couple in a row, but they were a team with some some preseason hype in that SEC. They've been great in the transfer portal a couple of years. I think Eric Musselman's doing really well there, but then hadn't paid much attention saw they were an unranked squad that knocked off Auburn. There's just been like injuries or what's going on there with them? I, I don't know enough about it tell you why they haven't performed the way they should perform. They're a tough out, as you saw the other night. The SEC is just kind of bunched up. I think it's the SEC mirrors the Big Ten in a lot of ways in, in the way that, you know, certain teams can beat any other team on any given night, but I think the talent level is much higher in the Big Ten um, than it is in the SEC right now, and that's why the top half of, like, you can't be the number one team in the conference and 
just survive a scare against the worst team in the conference like Auburn did on Saturday before they lost to Arkansas on mm-hmm. Monday or Tuesday, whatever that was. So I just don't think that I think that the uh, I think that the ceiling's a lot lower in the SEC. I guess would be my blanket answer to everybody in that conference. Um, Fair enough. Whereas I think the Big Ten, you see again seven or eight teams getting the, in, in the tournament this year. We'll we'll keep studying up on your college basketball because once yeah, we'll, once we'll, next week's pod is over, we'll really dial in. Uh, you really get into college, but like that's kind of when I I mean you're obviously on it for work a little bit more, but like this is kind of the time where I start paying attention a little bit, and then once the Super Bowl's over, yeah, I mean, that's that's Here, really all there is going. Speed. Let me get you up to speed. Um, Arkansas beat the number one team in the nation earlier this week, shooting thirty two percent from the field. So that's college basketball stinks. I okay, uh, yeah. if you like. If you like messy basketball, low percentage shooting, and we got everything you the need. The two three zone, the two a little bit of a little I, bit of Bayheim zone to just I love really the two, throw three a zone. wrench into things. Love the two three zone. You play it well. It's so efficient. Madness, baby. We're we're headed towards it. Uh, there should Eddie, be some madness this Sunday at Super Bowl Fifty Six. We hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, soak in this last 60 minutes of football we have this season. We'll have a full wrap-up for you here on the Moose and Roots Podcast, episode 241 next week. But for now, I think he's Matt Rooney, and I think I'm Joe Musso, and you guys have a good week. Say goodbye, Matt. Later. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile. For every care, a promise, and a blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome. (laughs) Chicken on the steak was phenomenal.